Hello and welcome to Camera Eats First. My name is Devin. And I'm Catherine. And together we are two market girls. We run a vegan YouTube channel and a blog. And this is our podcast where we talk about things like veganism, how we run our blog, how we make our recipes, and we keep you up to date on trending news topics in the vegan world. Now, lately we haven't been doing as much news. We are still living in a pandemic. So we've been doing some pandemic diaries in our episodes. So we're gonna do a little pandemic update and then we're gonna talk about some photography hacks and some backdrops and stuff like that. Yeah. Sound good? Get back to like kind of what this podcast was supposed to be about. (laughs) Yeah, trying to find a balance between being helpful and still like addressing the world right now. Yeah. Okay, so we're, what is it, like week 16, 15, I have no idea. 17? <laughs> How are you doing, Catherine? <laughs> uh, I think I'm doing okay. I think, like, it's in this weird moment where, like, some things are being lifted. Some things are, like, rules are less restrictive. Stores are slowly opening up again. I mean, it depends where you are, at least here in, like, Ontario that's kind of what it's like it's this weird like middle ground that like I think both of us are on the more cautious than like oh things are open let's go outside of it (laughs) so Mm -hmm. a lot of like anger and frustration the last couple of weeks (laughs) yeah it's it's really hard to see people acting like it's all gone away when it really hasn't and I'm still so anxious about all of it because I really don't want it to go. I don't want the second wave to hit really hard, but it's like no one will take it seriously still. Yeah. It's just like, like I remember we've been like kind of venting to each other over the last like week ish about just like seeing people lined up outside of like a winner's, which is like a clothing store or like seeing people lined up of Ikea or people like, really wanting sports to start up again and just like not really understanding like how I don't like I understand people's like it's hard when your life is so is just like flipped upside down like that and I get that but like it's like life and death for so many people that I just like I can't Mm -hmm. imagine being that person like I couldn't imagine shopping for clothing right now and like touching all these things and doing all this stuff and feeling okay about that yeah as much as i miss like life it's this feeling that if we're not if we don't keep being careful we're gonna get further away from getting back to quote unquote normal so we need to like stay the course because all i can think about is if we screw it up now it sets it's gonna set us back like another two months and we work so hard to get to where we are now so can we please just keep being good because i really don't want to be set back another two months yeah it's even like like I've talked to people who like because like on there's new Ontario rules where it says you're allowed to have like a hub of like 10 people that you don't need to socially distance from um and obviously like that includes people you're living with and then however many other people up to 10 people but those 10 people can't see other another 10 people right like you have to stick to each other and like I've even been talking to people and like ever since that that rule came on where you can have this like group of 10 where you can hug and you can be close and all this stuff like there's people that are like think hugging is just like allowed now like they'll like see people on the street and they'll like go to hug someone I'm like what are you doing no (laughs) like I was like this Mm -mm. is not socially like if you can socially distance do it like yeah I don't know I really thought that by now I I would be settled but honestly I'm still just like 
a mess of anxiety a lot of the time. And I think it's just like getting, I'm just getting worn down from the constant, you know, things coming at you that are stressful to the point where it's harder to manage the things that make you nervous and anxious. So now it's just like, I can't remain calm for enough time. Yeah. And it's like, it's hard to feel less anxious when you see so many people around you not following what you think is common sense rules, like to not hug people, to make sure you're wearing your mask all the time if you're outside of your house, to like not just go clothing shopping because you're bored, like, Mm -hmm. and to not like be demanding sports starting because like sports is like the least of my concerns right now I really don't care about sports like like I get it's a big source of entertainment for a lot of people I understand that it's a big source of entertainment for myself as well like I love sports but like sports has hasn't once crossed my mind in the last like three four months about like oh I want sports to start no matter what like I don't care this like there's so many other forms of entertainment that I have that I'd rather be doing if it means other people can stay safe and we can get this thing done sooner it does not need to be a priority and I think a lot of people are assuming that sports teams and athletes and all the staff surrounding these back to sporting protocols they're not invincible nobody is invincible and no amount of money is going to you know help with that either i mean it will but it won't stop it yeah so i think they need to step back and realize that they need to take it more seriously because we're already seeing how many players just in training camps are testing positive and that's not just like you know they're getting sick it's that they were probably asymptomatic and now because they're being tested because it's a protocol yeah you're catching all of these positives that you wouldn't have before. So that just goes to show that you might think that we're doing okay, but we're only doing okay because we're staying apart. Exactly. Um, Yeah, even so, like, my parents are season's ticket holders to TFC here in Toronto, and they got an email sent to them, like a survey that was basically like, how soon will you feel comfortable going to a game? And my dad's like, "Um, I am not renewing my, like, thing next year like I am not going to sit in an audience of like 20 30,000 people until there's like an actual vaccine like there's what <laughs> like how is this even a question just use like to the owners of teams and like the decision makers in leagues like don't put this up to the choices of people that are like like I just like understand that like sometimes people won't make the right decision when they're like are really bored at home or stressed out and all this stuff and to just look at the facts and just do what's in the best interest of the most people and that is to not start sports right now like what are you doing yep and you know what there's still reruns on tv and they're still fun to watch Yeah, and, like, you can still, like, get your daily dose of the athletes you like on their social media accounts. They're posting things and stuff. Like, I just, yeah. Like, I just can't imagine wanting something back so bad that you're willing to risk people's lives for it. Mm Mm-hmm. Do you want to talk about some positives, maybe? Are there Sure. Are there positives? positives? (laughs) (laughs) Uh, I'm trying to think of some positives. What do you have? Were you going to say something? Um, I mean, I think I'm still, uh, well, I'm definitely still getting more sleep than I ever used to before. Mm. So 
I, w- I would consider that still a positive. Um, I've some of my hobbies have shown up like I did. I'm doing embroidery right now. So that's nice. a different activity that I'm getting to try um, and having a lot more time to read and just focus on things other than work where I never would have before. So I'm trying my best to remind myself of any types of positives yep. I can find amongst this because otherwise I'm just going to lose my mind. <laughs> I mean, I- and I mean, go ahead. I also keep just keep telling myself like it is it's uh it's a lot to be at home all the time with your whole family but mm-hmm. I also know that like once this ends this is probably the last time we'll spend this much time yeah. with each other just because you know life's gonna go on so I'm trying to you know take appreciate that yeah no I I think that's a good thing to focus on um like as much as like I get so frustrated with what I see out in public and like see on social media, like a lot of my um, pandemic life has been focusing more so on the positive, like, oh, I get to bake more. I get to hang out at home because I like hanging out at home more than going out. <laughs> uh, like I'm saving a lot more money, which is a very, and like, I, I know a lot of people don't have that as a positive right now because they've lost their jobs or, you know, any kind of situations have happened. So, you know, I've been able to save more money. Um, I don't know. I just like, just try and focus on those like small things I think is very important. And like, I think the people who are like staying with their parents now or staying with family more than they would have before. I think like that's a pretty big positive. Like I I understand it can get frustrating to live with family for 24 seven, especially. Um, But like understanding that, like that's probably like depending on your age, of course, but like it's hard to get people together when life goes back to normal. So like really cherishing that time that you just get to hang out together is like, a pretty positive thing and you, you mentioned that you're baking a lot more which i mean for you that must be a lot because you already bake a lot <laughs> way more than i do but like when we are like when we take a weekend off or when we're not baking or cooking as much i'm still spending my weekends in the kitchen to the point where like i bought myself a stool to go in the kitchen because i'm like this is my hangout spot so i'm gonna <laughs> i want somewhere to sit when i'm in here because i'm just finding that like it is a nice escape to just be hanging out in the kitchen and mm-hmm. doing something, working on something that isn't working on my computer because that yeah. is definitely a struggle I'm having where I'm just spending so much screen time. So baking is the one thing that I've found or just any kind of cooking where it's like, okay, that this feels like more like a break than anything else. Wow, I'm so happy for you. <laughs> That's amazing. <laughs> but like, I 100% agree with that. That's one of the reasons I like baking so much is that it's like, you can focus your attention, you're doing something that feels like you're accomplishing something still, you get a delicious product out of it, but it's away from screens and you can just kind of like hang out. Um, that was like a big part of this week's evenings because I had very late like work e- work days this week it was a very stressful week in terms of like work and just general life um that I did like I baked like three times this week and it was so nice I'm finally understanding that when you say it <laughs> I also Devin I made a new chocolate chunk cookie recipe <laughs> what yeah I I was like working off the one we already have and then I changed it up just a little bit and I made a new one that I really like too. (laughs) (laughs) 
I still need to try the you made a funfetti cake too mm-hmm. I haven't retested that one yet but yeah you got to try it uh, that I really I've, want to that is the most accomplished I've ever felt baking anything because it was like like fully from baking ratios of like you know let's try this and let's do some of this and this it was so I felt so accomplished that day and it looked so good I want to try it so badly <laughs> It's freaking delicious. It's so fluffy. Amazing. I want to go make it right now. Can we just stop the podcast right now? Because I want to go make <laughs> yes. it. Yes. Yes. Okay. I think everyone Goodbye. will Goodbye. <laughs> <laughs> oh, another thing that like, not necessarily directly related. Actually, I guess it is directly related to the pandemic. Because like, you know, two months ago when I like stopped applying heat to my hair, mm-hmm. I decided I was like, okay, I'm not going to blow dry it anymore. I'm not going to straighten it or curl it or whatever. And it actually like, I'm used to my natural hair and it feels better and it's like finally in a place that I kind of like it again. So it's really nice. Oh, that's good. Yeah. I can't believe that was that was two months ago already. Yeah, that was the beginning of May. I can't. And it's almost the end of June. I feel like like I'm at the point of like pandemic where like I am kind of used to it and I'm kind of used to only seeing you over like video chat or whatever. But like I'm like... I'm also starting to like, I'm like, I wonder what it's going to feel like when we and Devin could actually see each other again. <laughs> like, that's going to be so nice. It's going to be, it feels so foreign. I miss going to your house on the weekends. Yeah. It's also like, like, I feel like my weekends feel so much longer and that's not a bad, like, that's not a good thing or a bad thing. It's just like one of those things of like, without Devin here, I also feel so like i'm so bored on the weekends like <laughs> like i'm like hutch hutch i'm bored i need something to do i don't know what to do <laughs> like i just miss because like usually our films take filming takes up like a full day so then i have mm-hmm. like one day of the weekend to kind of do whatever i want whatever it happens to me now i have almost like two full days because <laughs> like mm-hmm. our filming is so much shorter in necessarily like time together it's so, like it's just strange yeah. I know. I mean, that's why I'm baking and stuff in the kitchen all the time because I'm so bored. My family's like, "What is uh, what what is this? You're, like, you're cooking all the time. Why? What do you do? Were you like nesting or something? Were you pregnant or something? <laughs> nesting? No, guys. We're literally in a pandemic. I'm alone. Thank you. <laughs> I said um, also pregnant. <laughs> I'm baking because I'm bored and it gives me something to do. Okay, now just leave me alone with my movies and my cookies. Does, does baking make it feel like I'm there? Do you miss my baking? Is that why? <laughs> Maybe. It just feels like a familiar thing to do on the weekends, to be in the kitchen. Yeah. Having fun. So I'm trying to replicate that. <laughs> <laughs> do you, like, laugh to yourself and, like, pretend I'm there? <laughs> yeah. No one laughs at my jokes as much as you do, so. <laughs> yeah, people don't laugh at my jokes either. <laughs> I don't get it. We're very funny. We're like really funny. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I miss I miss you, Devin. Moral of the story, I miss you. I miss you too so much. But <laughs> I'm very proud of us for how we are still making this work and I think we're still doing a good job. No, yeah, I think we're doing a great job. And it's like it's kind of reassuring to know that if like we're ever like apart, not in like the an hour with an hour from each other, we could still two market girls is still possible you know mm-hmm. so mm-hmm. It's, it's very it reassuring is, it is still kind of fun to be experimenting with 
what our content looks like because it is still kind of changing like even we did a video a couple weeks ago that was me teaching you a recipe and that video was a slightly different style than all the others i think it had more of just like the zoom call shots mm -hmm. so to me that was like i was like are people gonna complain about this is this gonna be okay yeah. we're just gonna roll with it and this is what we're doing yeah it's actually been really nice like i'm um, again i only know from our community and our community is also filled with very nice people like we never really mm -hmm. get hate on our videos at all but like it's really it's yeah it's really nice <laughs> to see that like people have it like people are understanding of the quality changes that have to be made in order to make sure we're still being safe and still being you know appropriate for what's going on so it's been nice that it's happened like creators still understand that you know quality is gonna have to just be given up a little bit and that viewers are understanding of that Mm -hmm. And I mean, they're still getting good recipes out of it because you're still the one making the recipes. That that part we had to keep because otherwise they would be complaining. <laughs> and then they're still getting like the banter between us that people enjoy. Mm -hmm. Like it's our it's our friendship that we get a lot of comments on, right? Yeah. So they're still getting those things out of the content. I honestly think they might almost be getting more because like we like especially for the Wednesday videos they're not as focused on food anymore they're very much just about us hanging out so they're almost getting yeah. more of it <laughs> <laughs> oh, it's been fun that's for sure but it I, has. I, it has. I do think it'll be interesting to see because I do think we've discovered really cool series that we can do and ways that we can film. And I think it'll be cool once we're able to, again, film together, how our channel actually like combines the two things of like, you know, the stuff we've been doing during quarantine and the stuff that we did before and how like it becomes what it is after post quarantine and post all of this mess. <laughs> mm -hmm. I will say I do like I miss filming food because like when I film the recipes on my own and when you film them on your own it's not the same kind of filming that we would do yeah. like if I was there filming you and I kind of feel like when we get back to it I'm going to be so rusty should I just like start filming my family cooking yeah. so I can practice still yeah. you should you'd be like hold on Catherine always waits to pour it wait <laughs> actually I don't and you know what maybe wait, but... yeah no that's true I gotta yeah. be like quick yeah. But maybe I won't even record it. I'll just have the camera going yeah. and make them think that I'm <laughs> just for practice. Yeah. No, that is some that is the one thing that I miss the most is really like I love going back to our videos and seeing how cool the food looks, the way you filmed it or like however however you've pieced it together. That is one thing that I miss about our old videos is like the quality and the like filmy itness of it and like that kind of thing not to just like put a camera down and film what you're doing which like mm -hmm. is fine I like it but like I do miss the like the style that we used to have um when we mm -hmm. were able to do that kind of stuff because it's literally impossible to do now <laughs> oh yeah <laughs> at least alone we'd have to ask our family members and I don't think they'd do that for very long hmm. but our photography is still doing very well I would say that the photography is thriving yeah I agree. Yeah. yeah, I think it's been doing pretty good. Um, I've I've enlisted some help from Hutch on the photography front. Every once in a while, I'm like, I need a hand, help me. <laughs> yeah. Um, but yeah, no, it's. I think I have like more time to photograph now, just because of like filming goes by much quicker because we're not doing like very like 
cinema-y shots and we're not doing that we're literally just standing it up and i'm just making a recipe mm-hmm. while the camera's rolling essentially um mm-hmm. there's not a lot of pre-planning that goes into it so i do have a lot more time to take photos and that kind of stuff which has been fun mm-hmm. but i miss all of your photos like i miss <laughs> all of the props and everything it's pretty it's pretty bare here i can't even find my other lenses i don't know what I mean. <laughs> still <laughs> Yeah, no, I that is one thing that I do miss is I do miss being able to prop shop, like going to thrift stores for that particular stuff. Again, like I don't miss it enough to do it now, even though some thrift stores are open. But that is one thing I miss being able to like find new props and do some new things like and like because like I have a lot of props, but not like a lot in comparison to some food photographers that where it's like their sole thing. They have a lot of different props for a lot of different styles. And I do kind of miss that being able to like find new things and change up styles and do all that kind of stuff. But I've just kind of been experimenting more with that with backdrops instead of new props now lately, which is, which is a great segue. (laughs) Mm -hmm. I just (laughs) realized. So when we talk about these backdrops, it's basically like some sort of piece of wood or something that you use just as either the fake table or even sometimes the, the like background, the background yeah. of the photo. So for people who have studios and stuff, they'll have all of these big things. But, you know, we have Catherine's apartment. So Which is small. And, uh, and hello, we are on a budget. So, Kat, you've made a lot of our backdrops. Yeah, that was, like, one thing. When we started getting more into, like, food photography and started to, like, style more, and, like, I did research into backdrops. Like, backdrops are expensive. And I'm not saying they're not worth it. Like, I've bought one backdrop from, like, a professional type thing. And, like, I love that backdrop. It was expensive, yes, but I love it, and I think it's great. It's worth every penny. But doesn't mean I have pennies to spend on like eight different backdrops when you want different styles because they can be like Mm -hmm. 200 bucks a piece and that's a lot of money um like I would rather spend that money on a new lens than a new backdrop so we've taken to making a lot of backdrops yeah because it's also like we like to have options so Mm -hmm. if we want to have like three or four backdrops that we switch between that would cost if we bought them professionally that would cost us almost like eight hundred dollars right at least so now we have at least three or four and they've all been made super cheap but they still look really good on camera Mm -hmm. yeah so we actually started i let's where we started with food photography a lot of our backdrops and i don't know if people know this i think we've mentioned it here and there a lot of our backdrops were like old baking sheets we yeah. use that a lot. Like the ones that are kind of like a, a dark gray and they're very, very worn in. So they look really rustic mm-hmm. and they give really good texture and dimension on camera. And if you frame it right, you can't even tell. You can't see the edges of the baking sheet. So it actually looks pretty good. Yeah. But, you know, not good for every photo. And also, like, that's a pretty small frame to work with. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> um. Yeah, and also, like, if you're not into, like, darker, moodier photography, that doesn't work. Um, mm-hmm. um, it also is, like, a very reflective service, surface, so if you're working with uh, artificial light, you're going to get, like, these, like, big light bursts that you don't necessarily want in your background. So it doesn't necessarily work all the time. 
Um, but it's a great starter backdrop. Like I would recommend using cookie sheets either as like a base or as a backdrop or both. We've definitely done that. We did that for our loaded waffles and I still, mm-hmm. still love that photography. Like again, <laughs> I could take it way better, but I love the look we were going for. Mm-hmm. Um, so that kind of stuff. And then I think the first backdrop we made was the wood one. Yeah, I think so. Um, so we basically just went to the hardware store bought like a couple pieces of just pretty cheap wood i think it was like two inches wide maybe um and then just kind of put a few pieces together screwed them all together essentially and stained it and all of a sudden you have this like wood tabletop for like thirty dollars that's like Mm. actual wood and it also like it suited our style too right Mm -hmm. like for some if you're going for a more modern look that might not work but we tend to like a more rustic look so having some kind of like wooden that looked like a tabletop Mm -hmm. kind of really worked for our style at the time and like so cheap to make yeah and even that one we still have that one but we actually ended up painting it white and then sanding a little bit so the dark still comes through and it's got this like um newer vibe that's like closer to what we take now like our photography's changed a lot But the fact that we made that first means that we can change it. Like if we had just bought a wood uh, backdrop from someone else that was like a wood photo on something, we couldn't have changed that backdrop. That would have just been like $200 that either we still use or we don't use as much and was just kind of sitting there. So now we had this backdrop that like, and I could still go and paint it a different color if I decide I don't want it white anymore. Mm -hmm. Um, so, So it's got a lot of flexibility when you make things yourself. Exactly. And painting it white was just because, like you said, our photography evolved and now we go for a brighter style. And we also tend to make a lot of foods that have a lot of brown tones in them. So having a (laughs) wood tabletop, (laughs) we ran into a lot of issues with that. Yeah, it was just brown on brown. (laughs) (laughs) Um, And when you're going for food photography, you want it to be like very colorful. You want to make sure the colors not match but the colors complement each other you want to make sure there's a lot of layers of different colors in there if you can so having food that was always brown and a backdrop that was brown didn't really work for us Mm -hmm. Um, but you know we learned all these things along the way yeah uh so we had that white backdrop i'm trying to remember if there were oh we also at one point had an ikea tabletop in white and then we added chalkboard contact paper to it Mm-hmm. haven't used that in years um but that was also a really easy solution like contact paper i think is one of the most underrated food photography backdrops um because like you could get a really cheap board from the hardware store just like an mdf board really cheap and then cover it in contact paper and all of a sudden you have this really lightweight really thin it doesn't take up a lot of room backdrop for like 30 dollars like our marble um backdrop is actually contact paper and it looks very real Mm-hmm. and also keep in mind like when you see it like in person you could maybe spot some flaws but a lot of the times the flaws are not that loud that you'll see them on camera or you can't just like hide them a little bit in post right yeah no that was like so I was actually really bad with putting the contact paper on when I did the marble one and like there's like if you look at it in real life there's like a lot of like very small like air bubbles all around it and I was like crap I just screwed this up and then I went and took a photo and you don't notice them at all and anything you do notice you just do a quick like fix in photoshop or lightroom like it's not that difficult which um backdrop would you say was the most difficult or complicated to make 
Um, so that was probably the ones that we made with like putty. Um, so we have a couple where I don't know like what the actual t proper name of this product is, but it's like that like plaster type thing you'd put on drywall, I think is what it is or putty, whatever it is. Um, but we basically just took like a, um, just normal piece of wood, some plywood, um, and then spread that stuff on it. So the bite shot has a good, um, tutorial on this. We'll leave it in the show notes for anyone who wants to create it. But basically we spread it with putty, got the texture that we wanted to, but again, when you do stuff that's as creative as that, instead of just putting boards together and staining it, it's hard to know when to stop. And like you could do too much and then you're like, oh, this kind of looks crappy or you could do too little and you're like, oh, this doesn't really look as good as I wanted it to look. Um, so it's really having a plan going into it and looking for like, what kind of vibes are you going for? What kind of lines are you going for? Um, but doing the stuff with the putty is actually a lot of fun. I'm doing another one very soon, actually. <laughs> I plan to at least. Um, you basically just kind of, I, we have two different ones where we did that one where we did more crisscrossy lines and then one, it was more just like straight up and down side to side lines. Um, and then you take that and you do a few different coats of paint in like spray paint in um, just like regular roller paint to get textures and dimension and different layers of paint. It doesn't have to be perfect, which is what I like too about it. Cause like if you have other colors poking through, that's what makes a background interesting. Um, but that's also difficult in finding colors that you think will work together in a backdrop and complement each other. Um, but that backdrop, is the most fun to make but the most challenging to make because again you don't know if you don't have a good sense of what colors go together and what will work for food that can be pretty difficult if you don't know when to stop with the putty that can be difficult because like you could spend all day just like oh but I want a line here but I want this here but I want <laughs> this here <laughs> but uh it's also very therapeutic if you do need something to do out on like a nice day outside backdrops are very therapeutic to make as frustrating as they can be it's weirdly therapeutic as well <laughs> um but uh that backdrop was the hardest but also I think one of the ones we actually we don't use it a lot anymore but it's one of the more interesting backdrops we have that's for sure like it's one of the more creative looking ones the more unique looking ones because it's completely like made from scratch like it's up how it looks is completely up to you um, mm -hmm. and it's like almost impossible that someone will have a backdrop that looks like that as well. Mm -hmm. Uh, so we have two like that. We have one that's like a blue tones with like coppers in it. And then we have one that's just all white with the texture. Yeah. And having the two different ones that all, both have the texture, but are like we have colored and then we have a white plain one works really well for different types of dishes that we might do right sometimes we don't want just the plain white because it doesn't work with the dish and the blue one has really nice gray tones to it too mm -hmm. so it works it's a nice in between between like a modern look and a rustic look that's what i like about what you accomplished on the gray blue one is that it is that happy medium whereas the white one is plain but it's got the texture so it's not as plain as just like the plain ikea table would have been yeah yeah that's i think when you're looking for backdrops whether you're buying them or you're making them yourself i think one of the most important things that people can forget is that 
texture is one of the most important things, or at least the look of texture is one of the most important things in a backdrop. And that's how you make a backdrop like interesting. Like you, I think people can be tempted to make backdrops as plain as possible because they want the food to pop, which like see, you think kind of makes sense at the time. Like I thought that made sense to me when we just started doing food photography. It was like, why do you want a really busy backdrop? Because then the food, like it's going to take away focus from the food, but you don't want like something that's too busy where it does, but you want to find that middle ground that complements what's going on in the food and tells like a story of the like, type of vibe you're going for and that kind of stuff so you want to make the background is part of that story and a plain backdrop doesn't really tell a story yeah if your backdrop is really plain then you have to do a lot more work with like your props and your layering and even how you style your dish so if you've got texture in your backdrop you also want texture in your food and in your props but it helps you don't have to make up for something that is really really lacking texture like even when we buy um our food props like bowls and stuff i find that i tend to gravitate towards the ones that aren't just like a plain shiny Mm -hmm. look they have some kind of texture to them right because they just i don't know they have so much more personality to them yeah it just makes your photo more interesting without any extra effort on your part yeah (laughs) like literally the recipe doesn't even have to be that interesting of a recipe but if you have like an interesting backdrop and an interesting photo props like it basically does all the work for you Mm -hmm. like to be honest like tempeh bolognese is not that interesting of a recipe it's pasta with like a fake meat sauce on it but like the way you set up and tell the story is what makes it really stand out Mm -hmm. um and then I think that covers most of the different backdrops we have. Oh, actually, another thing. Stick on tiles, peel and stick tiles. Mm. That's something that I recently discovered um, because it's great if you want to, like, set the scene as if, like, it's on a countertop or, like, any kind of thing like that. You want to set up the scene of a kitchen. Um, I bought peel and stick subway tiles and put them on just, again, an MDF wood board so that I could prop it up behind my setting so it looked like... I was in a kitchen and like you might just be like why don't you just use your regular kitchen backdrop my kitchen has outlets everywhere like plug outlets everywhere and it just ruins a photo you don't want an outlet in your photo it just does not look good um so I basically just mimicked the look of my um kitchen and just like created my own little corner setup of it with back fake backdrops so that I could create that look and be able to take my photo anywhere where I can set up a flash and don't not be constricted by just a countertop and what the space that I have so um, peel and stick tiles is actually a really really cool way to create a different setting than just over the top like um, bird's eye view type shots Mm -hmm. and don't underestimate that factor that you Kat just mentioned about the flexibility of having these backdrops like when you have a nice kitchen counter and a a nice um, tiled backdrop that's really nice but you know what is going to be fighting against you all the time the lighting Mm -hmm. and like how much space you need to create the depth in the shot so when you have pieces that you can move around anywhere in your house it doesn't even have to be in your kitchen because you can recreate the look of a kitchen it makes it easier to get the right setup that you need and you're not as restricted because that's honestly something I'm struggling with here I don't have any backdrops and I'm really tempted to make some because I don't know how long I'm going to be here right you should it's actually Um, a lot of fun to make backdrops 
Yeah, because like I have nice spots in my kitchen, but where the nice spots are, there's no light. Yeah. So I can't really shoot there. And it's so frustrating. Like, I, this would look so good, but I can't <laughs> shoot there. Where are the nice angles? I can't find them. I, I do have to say, like, your photos are always so well lit because the lighting in your kitchen is so nice because you have such a huge, like, sliding door. So it's yeah. so nice to have that light. I wish I had that natural light. But it's that one spot and there's only that little bit of counter and it's a very plain wall and I'm just I'm struggling with it a little bit. So if I had a backdrop that I could put on the kitchen island and then move it around in front of the Mm -hmm. sliding door, then I would be I'd be set. Yeah. If I could find my lenses. Yeah. And I think people like underestimate the difference a good backdrop will make in a photo. Like you could take the exact same photo on your kitchen counter and then the exact same photo on like a well-designed backdrop and it's a completely different look and it just takes it to a whole new level because <laughs> like a lot of like not everyone has like picture perfect kitchens like even my kitchen like I love my kitchen I think it's beautiful but like it doesn't necessarily show up on camera very well necessarily mm-hmm. or like I don't have the space to make it show up on camera very well so being able to recreate that with um with simple like peel and stick tiles contact paper whatever it is it's like a really nice way to mimic what your kitchen looks like but give yourself more flexibility and a more photogenic look yeah and you could not be a better case for this because you also have a pretty small space that you're working within right so you don't want your backdrops to be too big or too heavy Mm -hmm. because you move them around a lot but they still fit within the small space that you're working with. So you're a really good case for these at-home <laughs> photography hacks. Yeah, no, honestly, like that was one of the biggest things is nothing too big because again, don't have a lot of storage space. I'm already out of storage space, so I don't need to add more things to it. Um, and also, yeah, like I basically, like I have two places I can set up photography. It's either my tiny little Ikea kitchen island, which is even like a gamble because like backdrops are bigger than that. And I don't know what's going to topple that over sometimes (laughs) or my kitchen table. And like before, like I've sanded down and given my kitchen table a new look. But before my kitchen table was not nice. (laughs) Like It was very orange. It didn't look good in photos. So having that stuff that like fits on there that can make it look better is like it yeah it's night and day it's literally night and day um and Mm -hmm. I don't think like I have I'm trying to think of how many different backdrops we use I probably have like almost 10 different backdrops that we could use not necessarily that we do use them all but at least 10 different ones that I've made or somehow put together over the course of this and I want to say we have spent like under like 300 dollars on all of them Mm mm-hmm including one that I like just bought that's actually a professional one which I love by the way (laughs) (laughs) but like the only reason I actually bought that one so I bought one from I think it's Bessie Bakes backdrops I think that's what the company's called again we'll link it down below it's a beautiful backdrop it's really thin which I like so it's not heavy um but like it's something that I couldn't have gotten on my own and that's what like if you're gonna spend money on a backdrop made by someone else make sure it's something you can't make on your own so like I'm not going to buy a subway tile backsplash because I can do that on my own with peel and stick tiles but like this one was very unique looking tiles I actually spent like a good 
part of a month looking for peel and stick tiles that looked like those ones before I actually bought it and I could not find it anywhere so I was like okay you know what I'm just gonna buy it and I don't regret it because I love it so much and you can find peel and stick tiles at the dollar store these days Mm -hmm. and sometimes they're actually really nice even you can find contact paper at the dollar store and like honestly don't underestimate contact paper even the ones from the dollar store because it looks really nice yeah if it was less sketchy to go out right now (laughs) i would go get it right now yeah really (laughs) (laughs) um yeah so i think basically the point of this i think podcast episode was that just because you don't have a big budget and we are like poster childs for not a big budget doesn't mean you can't have really beautiful photos really beautiful backdrops and like give yourself flexibility and options depend no matter like the size of the space you have or the the uh photo quality of your kitchen or whatever it is like you can still have really beautiful high quality backdrops that are actually more flexible because you can change them like i could always repaint a bunch of our backdrops that we have um or like like and you also don't feel bad outgrowing them because you didn't spend like $200 on one backdrop. So if I get sick of some contact paper, I'm like, cool, I spent 15 bucks on this contact paper. Like, I don't care if I don't want to use this backdrop anymore because it was only $15. Mm-hmm. Exactly. And that will happen. Like when you first get a new backdrop, it's going to be your favorite one. You're going to want to shoot with it all the time. But then once you kind of get used to it and find all the ways that it works, you're probably going to want something else to freshen things up. And that's when you move on to another one. And that's like what you said, keep them low budget so that when you do want to move on and try something else, you don't feel bad about it because it helps to keep trying new things. Mm -hmm. I think that's the reason our photography has continued to improve is because we don't get stagnant and we recognize when the photos are like following a they're all getting yeah. too similar so it's like how can we mix this up mm-hmm. because the food the food is the food right yeah so how can we make the photos not so i don't know like we're getting tired of them which is maybe because we spend so much time looking at yeah. them and trying to work with them that we probably get sick of them faster than yeah. other people do <laughs> but it is fun having new ones and playing around with them it's actually like so like i've taken th- three different types of photos of our cinnamon bun recipe um three different times i've taken photos i've used a different backdrop every time and every single time it's a whole different feel to it like and it's really cool and fun like sometimes i just like i'll make a batch of cinnamon buns i'm like oh i have this new backdrop let's try and take photos on it see if i could like see if it still looks good on this backdrop and you create this cool new just like fun vibe that you couldn't have done before with a new backdrop or all this kind of stuff so yeah no i I would always recommend making your own before you buy anything or doing what you can to make your own or search to see if there's any way you can make it cheaper before you buy from anywhere just because of the sole idea of like having a brand is important and having a look is important but also being able to express your creativity in new and different ways is also important so you don't want to spend two three hundred dollars on a backdrop and feel like you always need to be stuck in this like creative look or brand just because you don't want to spend another 200 or 300 dollars on another backdrop Mm -hmm. and like because it is so easy to make a cheap one i'll also say like when me and cat like back when we were shooting together sometimes i would just kind of like pop over and take a quick photo on my phone and because we have like the nice backdrops and stuff even a photo on my phone looked way better at your place (laughs) than it ever does here and it's very heartbreaking (laughs) yeah (laughs) 
Um, yeah, no, honestly, like I've noticed that too, even just like setting up with the food props, the backdrops, all this kind of stuff. And then you just snap a photo on your phone and you're like, wow, what, why do I need a camera? What? Yeah. <laughs> so if you're just like experimenting with food photography, and you don't know if you can invest in a camera yet. You can invest in these other like cheaper little things to play around with styling and framing and all that fun stuff. Yeah. Devin, do you have a favorite backdrop of ours? Oh, Oh man, I don't know. <laughs> I'm actually I'm kind of I'm torn between the two texture textured ones. Really? I think those two are my favorite. Yeah, I don't yeah. think I use those enough anymore. I got to get back into using those because, <laughs> like, again, I've bought a lot of new backdrops recently, or like made new backdrops recently. That again, those old ones you kind of forget about, and then eventually, once you get used to your new one, you start going through your all of yours again. Yeah. Um, but yeah, no, I really like that blue one. I have a hard time figuring sometimes I have a hard time figuring out that blue one because it can make the photo look very blue and that is not our vibe mm -hmm. necessarily but it's finding mm -hmm. the right foods that work on that backdrop exactly um one last thing though that I would recommend um like if you have a really cheap Ikea island stain it paint it do something like fun and different like I just sanded down my Ikea uh, kitchen island stained it a nice like walnut color and it's gorgeous in photos like I literally look at the photo I'm like that how is that from Ikea I don't understand <laughs> like this looks beautiful <laughs> or like I sanded down our kitchen my kitchen table and gave it a nice like clear coat so it's a very natural looking wood and now it looks beautiful in photos so giving your like home surfaces new life if you feel like you want to is also kind of a fun very inexpensive way to kind of have a new backdrop or a new look should i go do that in my kitchen island right now <laughs> just start sanding things down <laughs> your parents are like what are you doing <laughs> it's for my art <laughs> gosh you never understand my art <laughs> i'm taking over this kitchen okay i have a stool here now i need this island to look better <laughs> just so you know when we're allowed to see each other tmg is now here <laughs> you are always welcome catherine <laughs> But that's a lot of props for you to carry back and forth. <laughs> yeah, that is a lot. <laughs> uh, but yeah, Devin, if you plan to make a backdrop, if you ever get bored enough to make a backdrop, I would really recommend checking out the Bite Shots uh, YouTube video on it because that's how I made those two textured ones. Mm -hmm. um, and it's a lot of fun. I plan to make another one too. I'm, I want to make like a greeny one. Ooh. Yeah, so... And then I also want to do one that's just like grays. Like I'm going to do one that I plan to do without the textured, like the putty. I just want to do with like stippling and stuff with a brush. So you right. get that texture, yeah. but basically do like white and then a gray and then do just kind of swirl it around and try and get different kind of like different shades of gray throughout. That's what I plan to do next. <laughs> so fancy yeah i've been like really liking the i i've had a lot more time to focus on food photography now which has been nice so mm -hmm. well if there's ever a time i was gonna do arts and crafts it would be <laughs> now so yeah that was like one of the reasons i was like maybe i should just make another backdrop because i'm like talking to Devin all the time about how i need a hobby and like i want to do watercolor <laughs> and all this stuff i'm like maybe i should just make a backdrop because that's a hobby <laughs> yeah totally yeah <laughs> all right well i hope that people found this helpful mm -hmm. to get for us to give some in insights on how we make our photos look the way that they do and the cheap solutions that we found throughout the years because it really has been a journey yeah it has progressed a lot 
Um, but that's part of it, right? That's part of it. You have to keep progressing and keep trying new things and not get stuck or not think that you don't know how. Yeah. You know, maybe you just need that one piece of contact paper or that one really nice bowl. Yeah. Yeah, that's like, I think one of the barriers to, I think, food photography a lot of time is people think it's expensive and it definitely can be, but it also doesn't have to be. You just kind of have to get creative with what you're doing. Mm-hmm. And sometimes it's quality over quantity, right? So just invest in pieces that you really, really love. If you don't, like, this is going more into props, but if you don't love it in the store, same with clothing. <laughs> You're not going to love it at home or in the photos. Yeah. So, all right. Well, if you want to check out any of our photography or our recipes, they're at twomarketgirls.com and we are Two Market Girls on YouTube. And all of our gorgeous photos are... <laughs> on our Instagram, which is also Two Market Girls. Um, be sure to subscribe to the podcast so you don't miss future episodes. We will, you know, be talking more about our recipes and how we make our content as we move forward because we're still, we still enjoy talking about that because mm. we obviously still enjoy doing it. Yeah. So we hope you enjoyed listening and um, yeah, that's all. That is all. Okay. Bye. Bye.